Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls of all ages, welcome back to episode 155 of Play on Nerds. I'm Steve. And I'm Jarman. And we are here to co-host the living hell out of this. That's right. And in honor of the uh, new show, Lord of the Rings, The Rings of Power, we are going to watch the Lord of the Rings and talk about it, but not the one you think. We're watching the animated, kind of animated, 1978 uh, Bakshi uh, Lord <laughs> the of the Rings. arguably film. animated 1978 Lord of the Rings. Bakshi? Bakshi. Bashki. Bashki. Bachi Ball. That's what it is. Yes, yeah, that's it. <laughs> Um, but before we get to that, Jarman, what have you been up to since last time we talked? Ah, oh, just really keeping busy. It was kind of like a, a boring week, except for the fact that it was the three year anniversary for me and my lady, which was kind of nice. Oh, congratulations. Well, thank you. I know a short amount of time compared to how long you've been with your old lady. Yeah, but I'm old, so <laughs> you're still young and vibrant and whatnot. I'm older than you. Oh, <laughs> uh, that's right. Never mind. You're old too. <laughs> Damn it. Uh, <laughs> but yeah, just my weekly things have now become, uh, I always have a D and D brunch on Saturday. Nice. Uh, with my group. And then we have I have Angel. We're, we're watching through Buffy and Angel, and now we're on Angel. And we have like a, a watch party every Sunday morning, like a little Sunday brunch with Angel. Um, and then in the middle of the week on Wednesdays, I go to trivia. And then in between at work, I'm just, you know, editing and recording audio books and YouTube videos like crazy. And the queen passed away. So uh, we did a lot of videos online about the queen passing away and her. I did a video about her coffin that's up online now on the Grunge YouTube channel. You can check that Whoa. out. Uh, but yeah, it's, it's it's interesting stuff. Been keeping busy. <laughs> what about you? Uh, well, we went, I think last time I mentioned, my daughter's sixth birthday, Joyce's sixth that's birthday. Right. And we went to Santa Cruz. And I'm so happy to report that like it was a good birthday. Yay. It wasn't ruined by anything even. <laughs> this time. <laughs> this time we got it right. Uh, we picked her up right after school, made it down there in perfect time, avoided most of the traffic, got to the condo, um, had just a lovely evening, went walking in downtown Santa Cruz. Nice. Uh, and the next morning got up, did breakfast, which she chose uh, donuts and bacon. <laughs> perfect. Uh, and then her and Anna and myself went down to the boardwalk. So a few things we didn't know were going on. Mm. So we figured, you know, weekend after Labor Day we would be, it would be pretty not busy. Yeah. That's kind of the end of summer. Nope. Apparently that's when all the local stuff happens because finally all the tourists are gone. (laughs) So there was a huge like Christian jamboree thing happening at the boardwalk where they did overnights and day activities. So there were a ton of kids there. And then in a park that literally was between us and the boardwalk was the Santa Cruz Iron Man. So like thousand people with bicycles and gear. (laughs) <laughs> oh god <laughs> so it was it was more crowded than we thought but that didn't change anything we That's got to good. go to the arcade joyce got to ride four rides some of them may even be considered thrilling mm. uh, and then we got some junky carnival food and then uh went walked home and uh she got to pick dinner she said she wanted fries oh just so we fries. got five guys we got five guys <laughs> nice. to honor that 
Uh, and yeah, she had a great birthday. I'm it pretty sure she passed out real hard after that, all that business. Oh, all that sugar, certainly. Just and it made her a strawberry cake with strawberry icing. Oh my gosh. <laughs> oh yeah. It was Spoiled the good. heck out of her. <laughs> Once again, we just had to, we had to make this one good. Oh yeah. Make up for the last two years. See, next year though, it's going to be just mediocre. Like you get to watch your favorite TV show once. That's the plan next year. But this year needed to be big. Uh, well, I'm sure she appreciated it. Yeah. Uh, well, Jarman, does that take us into some nerdy news? Oh, yeah. It's time for nerdy news. All right. So I made the mistake of going to the next slide. And you saw the name? Saw the name. <laughs> Well, Steve always likes to have fun names for our news story. So mine is Goldilocks Zones Touch My Erogenous Zones. <laughs> oh, yeah. oh, yeah. And really, uh, anything about finding new Earth-like planets gets me going, gets my motor running. Mm-hmm. Um, and so two planets in the Goldilocks Zone have been found about 100 light years away. It's significant because they're pretty close in comparison to things. Uh, so an international team of scientists led by Leticia Del Rez, an astrophysicist at the University of Liege, uh, has just announced the discovery of two super-Earth-type planets orbiting LP8909, also known as TOI4306. That's easy to say. Or Speculus 2. Like just that. rolls off that tongue. Speculus is probably the easiest one to pronounce. That's going to be my hip-hop name. Speculus. DJ Speculus. Speculus. <laughs> it was found using NASA's TESS Space Telescope, which is transit transisting... Oh, transiting exoplanet survey satellite. Um, And they say, although this planet orbits very close to its star, at a distance of about 10 times shorter than that of Mercury around our sun, the amount of stellar radiation it receives is still low and could allow the presence of liquid water on the planet's surface, provided it has sufficient atmosphere. So it's like a red dwarf sun as opposed to ours being a big yellow sun. And this all makes them good candidates to research them further with the new James Webb telescope. So they have to find them and then tell the James Webb people, like, hey, I know you got that new fancy telescope. Can you look over here? We found these cool planets. Um, and this, well, the cool part of this is with all these new observations coming in with the James Webb telescope and other new technologies, uh, they now estimate that instead of the previously thought 17 billion Earth-like planets that could be in our galaxy alone, they now estimate it's closer to 100 billion and that Sweet. means in the whole universe, it's closer to 50 sextillion Earth-like planets, uh, which is nuts. And this actually brings into question the famous Drake equation, which gave the probability of alien civilizations that were out there in the universe, and it completely changes the probability of that equation. So, like, in, more in the favor of there being alien races out there. Right. So, where are they? That's my question. Where are they? They're stuck on their rock fighting each other, too. <laughs> That's the thing. That's where they are. There's no like, one's figured it out. That magical threshold they think might exist in the universe where the reason we don't ever get to the spacefaring technology is because every civilization kills itself before it can get that far. Um, right. And I, I think if anything, the equation is of all the civilizations on all the planets that are Earth-like that do exist, how many of them, out of all of them, what percentage would actually make it to space? Yeah, that's the problem. That's the new equation. <laughs> this leaves me no doubt in my mind gonna kill itself? that there are so many intelligent lives out there, like civilizations actually out there, but we'll just never ever see them because we can never get to each other. It might be the problem. Yeah. So, anyways, I thought that was fascinating, and I'm totally turned on by it. Oh, man. <laughs> 
Touch my Goldilocks zone. Oh, yeah. So that brings us to another Goldilocks zone for me, which is Lord of the Rings. The main segment of the show. So I'm going to try to get through this as quick as possible, because as I was telling Jarman, uh, the movie that we watched, the 1978 animated Lord of the Rings, is very true to the the general outline and story that is presented in the Lord of the Rings books. True. Um, and it, in many ways, Peter Jackson, you realize watching this, Peter Jackson's is very much an homage oh, to yeah. a lot of what's in this film, including even specific shots. It's like the exact same shot that, that he are uses. copied jokes that are copied um and then not only that they're both very true to the book in the dialogue that is used and so because of that the dialogue is very similar but it is because both of them were very true to it that's true um so i'm not going to summarize the first two lord of the rings movies for you so i'm going to try to zip through this uh we do get an explanation about middle earth the forging of the rings the corruption of Sar- sauron um the animation through all this is it's not even animation i don't think it's like film yeah, it's a thing it, called a rotoscoping. So apparently, so, yeah, solarity or solarizing rotoscoping. The entire thing was filmed with real actors, and they rotoscoped animation on top of all of that. And with fake- that part isn't even rotoscoped. That part is called uh, like solarized something, where they just shine a light real hard, and they do it through a filter, and then only catch one color. Yeah, well, black and white. <laughs> like basically, the film they made for real actors is black and white, so they could put just basically animation on top of it. It's nuts, right? Um, and they mix. There's that. There are a few real cell drawn things. There are a handful. The tree ant really out of place. You'll see them. <laughs> um, <laughs> um, and then there are some that it's like it's not even like really drawn over film. It's just a visual effect. A lot of the stuff with the orcs is that way. Um. And a lot of the action scenes, the fighting, the movement is captured that way. Mm-hmm. Um, we do get a visit with Smeagol and Deagle and how they find the ring, which I thought was interesting for them to include that. Mm-hmm. Uh, we get the same visit to the Shire. We get an explanation that there's a 17 year gap. That's one of the differences here. I really appreciated is they called out that after uh, Frodo left the Shire, that it was or 17 Bilbo years. left the Shire. Yeah. Bilbo. Bilbo left the Shire. It was 17 years till Gandalf returned. Yeah, I don't think I remember that from the movies, and I hadn't read the books in so long, I forgot about that. Samwise is still kind of like a sweet, bumbling moron. That's the same. Uh, they almost get run into by the wraiths, and this is one of those sections that's like Peter Jackson is almost for like shot for shot in a few occasions. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Uh, specifically, the them hiding under some roots and the ring wraith like looming over them. Peter Jackson took that directly from this movie. <laughs> Uh, then they go to the inn. They meet Strider, um, played by one of only two actors that you might know in this, and that's the late great John Hurt. Yes, great voice. Uh, he helps the Hobbits escape. Frodo's stabbed. They go to Rivendell. Gandalf's there. Um, Gandalf had to fight Saruman. All that stuff. Uh, they meet in a council. Dwarves and other men are there. Bilbo gives Frodo his mithril shirt and sting, and they're on their way. The Fellowship of Nine. Heads out into the cold. They decide to head to the mountains instead because it's safer, quote unquote. Find a door, get attacked by the watcher in the water. Um, they make their way through the mines of Moria, but it's abandoned. Ooh, they run into some orcs and trolls and a fight ensues. Uh, they narrowly escape. Gandalf fights a huge fire beast, which I'm not even sure they named the Balrog. Oh, yeah. He even says he's like, 
He does. He does say it. Okay. Yeah, he says it once. Um, Frodo thinks they're being followed. They are being followed. <laughs> Suddenly, there's a blonde lady talking to them in Lothlorien. <laughs> Galadriel. I know. It just all happened so quick. Um, <laughs> had to shove a lot into two hours. They did. Like, that That was really, like, I'm talking at this breakneck pace, but even the movie itself was so breakneck. And it was two hours and 13 minutes, and it doesn't even have Return of the King in it. <laughs> um they're in Rivendell. They have some rest and relaxation. Bormir tries to uh, take the ring. Actually, it's after they leave Rivendell. Uh, Frodo and Sam hop in a boat. Back on land, the others are attacked by orcs. Bormir goes down. They take Merry and Pippin. They go chasing after the orcs, try to get Merry and Pippin back. Um, far away, Sam and Frodo are lost. They confront Gollum, who says he's going to show them the way. Uh, men on horses attack Mary and Pippin in the orc camp. They crawl away. They get picked up by a tree ant named Treebeard. All this stuff. It's so crazy how much they fit in this friggin' movie. I know. Um, Aragorn, Gimli, and Legolas try to follow them into the forest. They find Gandalf. Yay. He Get didn't the die. Uh, now they're on horses somehow headed to Edoras, the horse lords. The king there needs help. Grima Wormtongue's kicked out. Saruman elsewhere, like, riles his army. Gandalf tries to get King Theodon to to help him and take everyone to Helm's Deep. They take everyone to Helm's Deep. Um, Gollum leads Frodo through this crazy swamp, and they almost get caught by the Witch King of Angmar. Uh, he leads them up this winding stair, and it ends really ominously, which I also enjoyed. You'll mm-hmm. see. You'll see. <laughs> Uh, back at Helm's Deep, there's the fight. They start losing. They ride out against them at dawn and get rescued by uh, by Gandalf and the ride the Rohirrim, the riders of Rohan. Um, and it kind of ends on this really triumphant note of un- sort of uncertainty. Um, and it ends there. There is maybe a little more, but that's that's the most of it. Yeah, because they basically um, were planning on making the third installment. This was going to really be in three little shorter films, but they just weren't given permission to do the third ones. So they kind of had to shove these two into one movie, and there's just the third book's just missing. It's <laughs> just not there. Um, so let's talk about some of like the the big differences here. There's some things that are just com- that were in maybe the Jackson film that were fabricated for it, or in the book that weren't included. Tom Bombadil. Yep. Once again, gets a shaft gets the shaft here because it would be in like the first meeting with the elves shortly thereafter. Um, get the shaft. Uh, I understand why Tom Bombadil is like a whole can of worms. I know. I want that can of worms on screen at some point. I hope he somehow shows up in the rings of power. That's true. That would be really cool if, if Tom Bombadil showed up and he like predates like the I first the, date. He's been there forever, man. Yeah. Um, so yeah, maybe he could. He could be running around. Maybe he's like the sovereign lord of the the Harfoots or something. <laughs> he is a forest god, basically, kind of. So and yeah. he does present himself kind of as a hobbit. Yeah, he's like a adult or sized hobbit, basically. Um, there was the like the warg attack when they're on their way to Helm's Deep. Oh yeah, um, really go do that one. But for the most part, they cover everything. Like, it's kind of impressive. Yeah. As much as they covered in this, this, this movie, it's crazy. And the fact they were still able to spend time on really long, um, psychedelic sequences on horseback, which is strange, <laughs> but, uh, and you forgot to mention the other famous name in this movie. Uh, Legolas is yeah, played by the, Anthony Daniels, C3PO. The only other, the only other actor of note in this cast. 
There was like one other guy, I think Theoden or something, who's you recognize his face. He's been in a bunch of movies, but other than that, his name is not recognizable. Right. So, a lot of old British actors. Um, so I, in general, did not really enjoy this. There were too many things that were distractions from the good things. Mm. Uh, but before we get to them, let's talk about the things we liked. Yes. Um, I like that there was good pacing. They really did keep it moving. They really only showed you really what was needed to move the story they were telling along. Mm-hmm. Um, and it really cut scene to scene fast. Now, mind you, sometimes that was too fast and too abrupt. <laughs> um, but I did appreciate that. I did like that they stayed pretty close to the source For and sure. hit the important beats that needed to be hit. Um, and there were some times where I thought the rotoscope mixed with the overshading, like the, the mixture of the different techniques really worked. But for every one of them where it really worked, there were like 10 where it was really hard to watch. Yeah, I had that as one of my good things is that it's just truly unique looking. I've never seen anything like this before. <laughs> it's just like, right. and I've seen like rotoscope or whatever kind of movies before. There's that guy who did one with Keanu Reeves a while back. It was new technology. Scanner darkly. Yeah. yeah. And it's, it wasn't interesting to me because it was too perfect. Whereas this was just so strange. And it's like the 1978 film and the, like the people that are mixed in with the cartoons. It was weird. and so strange that it just was captivating. Well, Even- I think, I think the difference I spotted the, that, that was like, it was good, but weird is that when you see animation in like Disney and everything, they don't animate any frames that aren't absolutely necessary. <laughs> yeah. You know, that's their goal as animators. Like can animate as few frames as possible and make the move happen um, to save themselves. But here, since they were filming actors, there was so much unnecessary movement. Yeah. A lot of weird eye in movements. In the animation. Weird eye um animation the guy who played samwise used his hands like up in front of his face a lot (laughs) and like flickered them and they animated all those little flickers and twitches and i was like wow you never see that in like a disney film because they they, the hands are just still most of the time if they're not doing some action and it did make the our cartoon characters feel lifelike because it's the movements are exactly how the actor was moving that they animated over the top of so it's just like strange like watching them get off a horse or you know, swing a weapon. It was very, it's just strange and kind of off-putting, but interesting at the same time. <laughs> and it led, led to some really bad transitions. Like when characters were, would turn, like it was like them forward. And then there was this rough moment where they had to switch them to profile. And there was this rough moment further where they had to switch them further. Yeah. But an actor just fluidly turned their head. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> oh, and also um, I would say Andy Serkis definitely got a lot of his influence from this Gollum because it's very similar to his Gollum. I don't know. If anything, I really appreciated how not like the skull in his any circuses was. Well, you, I see where he had influence from it. Not that that's exactly like, but just cer- certain ways of speaking and the way he moved. And I, I think guess. he definitely watched this for sure. Oh, most certainly. And if anything, Peter Jackson, you know, made interpreted it this <laughs> yeah. way. Oh, speaking of the animation, um, sometimes they use clips from other movies and then they wrote the anime on top of it. And at one point that's really evident is when the dark riders first leave the prancing pony. They're kind of going off in the distance. There's three of them or maybe four. And Mm -hmm. you can tell they have cowboy hats on. (laughs) (laughs) Hey, the witch king of Angmar is a desperado. They definitely use an old cowboy movie for that footage. (laughs) Uh, 
Um, Another thing I thought was great was the score was pretty intense and complex and immersive throughout. Really good true. music throughout the whole movie. Um, all right, we ready to move on to things that we struggled with a little bit? Uh, last part I was going to say was just I love the voice acting. I thought there was a couple that were kind of boring, but for the most part, like John Hurst's performance was fantastic. I thought everybody fit their parts really well. And you can also I, see how that kind of influenced how hobbits were going to sound in Lord of the Rings, the movies. Um, they influenced I had a really tough time distinguishing Merry and Pippin from each other. Well, that was the problem, too, is when all really four of the hobbits were on time. screen, the only one who looks different is Sam. And the rest of them look yeah. exactly the same. So I was like, which one is which? I have no idea. <laughs> that was true. Yeah. Um, so some things I I struggled with. I mentioned this earlier. The pacing was really fast, which was often good, but sometimes it was abrupt. Mm-hmm. Um, the backgrounds felt really murky and it made it really hard to like identify locations and tell tell when we were moving locations. They're kind of blurry, dark, blurry and dark and dingy looking almost most of the time. The animation was really inconsistent. Like I said, they, they had those shots that were just like polarized film. And then they had the rotoscope shots where it was drawn over and sometimes they would interchange between them. Or use some people were fully rotoscoped and some people were just polarized film in the same shot. It was really friggin' off putting sometimes. <laughs> and then, as I mentioned, there was some real hand drawn, hand shaded, classically animated stuff. Uh, Treebeard, you mentioned, was one. Mm-hmm. And the other one is when that I noticed that looks so bad was Gandalf when he's getting off the top of the tower and the eagle comes to get him. Oh, yeah. That was fully animated and that looked awful. Because they show footage of a real rotoscoped animated eagle and then it cuts to when it's picking him up and it's, a, and it's just fully animation. Yeah. Exactly. It just doesn't move the same and it just completely disconnects. <laughs> um, so, yeah, those were, I, once again, there, it, that was such a huge part that while it, sometimes it was very fascinating and when they mixed them together and it looked, there were sometimes they hit it. But between those moments were huge gaps where I was like, oh, my God, what is happening? Yeah, like I like the uh, scene in Rivendell with the big party tavern scene. That was good. It was like full on basically like real actors almost just sitting on their own screen with animated characters. And it was just all mixed together in kind of fun, weird way. Um, But, yeah, I I put down one of the bad things I said was it, it feels woefully unfinished. It's like they didn't have time to do it as much as they wanted to so that that. There's a lot of animation that wasn't all the way there. Like so when in one shot, a bunch of the Rohirrim riders are, 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 you know, riding toward the camera and some of them have barely any animation on them at all. Like they're just full on just actors on screen, but their hat. Yeah. It's just, pol- yeah, it's just polarized film, but it's then their like, hat yeah, was throw, animated throw like, color over it. Like just their boots and their hats had were animated over, but nothing else was. And I was like, it's like, they didn't have time to finish this. Like they just needed more or, time. A lot of the shots with the orcs, it's only their eyes. Yeah. Just like little red dots for their eyes. Um, that's yeah. Oh, maybe that's another thing I disliked. The orcs, like you just couldn't tell what they looked like. It was too dark. Yeah, it was too dark, and I kind of got what they were going for. These like faceless dark hordes. I guess they had like ape masks on. Looked like almost like some of them were ape like. Some of them were lizard like. At one point, when one of them puts their foot in the door and like the mines of Moria, and someone stabs it, it looks like a les- lizard foot from like a sci fi show. Yeah. I just don't think any of the people making the movie knew what they were supposed to look like. <laughs> Maybe. They're supposed to be warped elves, so it could be pretty much anybody's interpretation. Um, but yeah, what you said earlier, I thought sometimes it's just too dark on the screen. The coloring oh, brightness yeah. was just kind of not done well. Um, and some sequences did drag a little bit because since the whole movie's moving so fast, 
when it they take a long time on a really unnecessary scene and especially hit when he was on when Frodo is you know ill from being stabbed by the the rider's sword and he gets away from everybody else and he's goes he puts the ring on and he's like in this weird like psychedelic thing and the horses are chasing him and it was slowed down it was like five minutes I was like why are they waiting so long this scene that doesn't even matter it was just really strange um yeah that's pretty much it because I actually I overall liked it just because of how odd it was and how it was true to the story and the acting was good so overall I'm just like I, I liked my experience even though it was really strange I don't think I want to watch it again but it was like Huh, that was, that was neat. <laughs> uh, and as Jordan mentioned at the beginning of this, we were watching this in honor of Rings of Power, which is now on Amazon. Have you been in, Have you been watching? Yes, an episode is coming out in 10 minutes. <laughs> yeah, I know. Uh, so let's just have like a brief, like, what do, what do you think of it? No spoilers. Well, I actually will hold that off until our Radical Recommend section, because I will be talking about um, that. Yeah. Bitch. <laughs> we'll have a full discussion because there's some new stuff we can talk about too. Well, I guess in that case, we are going to go on to some a trivia. Bit. Oh, trivia. <laughs> yes. Uh, just a few things of trivia for this movie that are kind of interesting. Uh, Tim Burton worked as an animator on this movie, and he was not credited, but worked as an in between artist. That's what it's called, an in between. Um, it was his first job on a movie, was this movie. Isn't that weird? Um, as we said, it was filmed with live actors in black and white and rotoscoped each animation cell drawn over film frame of an actor. This was the first entirely rotoscoped animated feature, is what they were saying. Um, director Ralph Bakshi had originally planned to use music by Led Zeppelin in the movie, but was unable to get the rights because Led Zeppelin band members were known to be fans of the books with several of their songs, including Misty Mountain Hop, Over the Hills and Far Away, The Battle of Evermore, and Ramble On, referencing imagery and characters from Tolkien's books. That would have been a very different movie if it had Led Zeppelin throughout. <laughs> uh, Peter Jackson first encountered the Lord of the Rings via this movie. This is the first time he ever heard of Lord of the Rings was watching this movie. So the director, John Borman, originally envisioned making the entire trilogy as a single one hour and 40 minute movie. Oh, my God. It was going to be a, a live action movie. Uh, Ralph Bakshi heard that he was going to do this and is a fan of the Lord of the Rings trilogy and Tolkien. He was horrified. Uh, when Borman's plans to bring Tolkien's novels to the screen fell apart, Bakshi approached J.R. Tolkien's daughter to do the novels as a trilogy of animated movies. And Tolkien's daughter loved Bakshi's fantasy movie called Wizards from 1977, which I really want to see that now. Uh, so she gave him the rights to the Lord of the Rings, and Bakshi filmed The Fellowship of the Rings, The Two Towers, and they were collapsed into a single two-and-a-half-hour movie. And it planned to film The Return of the King, as we said, but the trilogy was never completed. Um, according to this is crazy part, this is making you want to watch this scene over again, according to Ralph Bakshi, the filming of the Battle of Helm's Deep involved over 3,000 people in costume with prop swords and eight cameras. <laughs> it took an entire morning to set up for the filming of the battle. And just as Bakshi was about to begin shooting, one of the lead extras shouted, lunch, and everyone dropped their prop swords and left. <laughs> so Bakshi admitted to becoming so furious, he lost his mind <laughs> on that day. <laughs> 3,000 people for this animated movie they did live actors it's nuts oh yeah oh anyways some good fun trivia there well i think that takes us on to some uh a game i got hell yeah and it's called tolkien or randomly generated token <laughs> interesting so i've got 10 names and five of them are names of more obscure or rare Tolkien Lord of the Rings characters from the universe. Okay. 
but five of them are from a random fantasy name generator online. <laughs> nice. And I need you to tell me which are Tolkien and which one ones are randomly generated tokens. All right, I'll do my best. I know a lot of Tolkien characters, so here we go. Uh, that's that's what I'm hoping. All right, ready? Mm-hmm. Larangar. I'm going to say that's a not. That is correct. That is fake. Oh, I mean, randomly, yes. gen- randomly generated <laughs> token. There we go. All right. The ring with Phil. That is not real. That is real. What? Okay. The ring with Phil was a vampire. What? That took the form of a bat serving Sauron as a messenger was never even in a scene in the book, but was referenced and is confirmation that there are like vampires in Tolkien's universe. Where was he referenced? I don't know. As a messenger. Like Weird. we had some such and such brought us this news. <laughs> That's hilarious. <laughs> yeah. All right. Aleowen. Hmm. It sounds like one, but I'm going to say no. That is right. Yeah. It's fake. <laughs> it's close. Aowen is a real person, but not Aleowen. <laughs> Gothmog. Yes. That is correct. As the Lord of the Balrog. That's right. He's a Maiar. Uh, Egnor. No. That is incorrect. That is real. Really? It's a son of Finarfin. Finarfin. Finarfin? Yeah. Eventually killed by the invading armies of Morgoth. Oh, yeah. That that checks out. (laughs) Orgha. Hmm. I'm going to say it's some random orc that's named. Maybe yes. No, that is fake. <laughs> that was from the orc name generator. That sounds though. right. Yeah. Zerpigig. <laughs> you know what? So out there, I'm going to say, yeah. No, I'm sorry. That's fake. <laughs> oh, damn it. No, that just, one was also from the orc name generator. I'm just psyching myself out now. It's something like a, a gnome name from Warcraft. <laughs> Thorondor. Yes. That is right. That is Thorondor, the greatest of the great eagles. That's right. All right. Glaurung. Glaurung was a the big, huge dragon that was in service of Morgoth. That's right. Glaurung, the father of dragons. <laughs> like I gave myself the ding before you even said it. <laughs> All right. This is the final one. Mm-hmm. Leverong. Leatherong? Levirom. I'm going to say no. That is a no. <laughs> yes. All right. Jarman, in total, you got six out of ten. That's not bad. Not too bad for us. Anything <laughs> over a five is great. Wait, how many out of ten? Six. Six. All right. Cool. Yeah, it's yeah. above average. <laughs> Just barely. So, Jarman, uh, does that take us to Radical Recommends? If you have the means, I highly recommend picking one up. What do you recommend I do? I recommend Pleasant. I recommend Pleasant. All right, so I got two radical recommends for you tonight really quick. Uh, One is an old game that I used to play years ago, but I picked back up to play better. It's a lot of fun, but it can be nerve-wracking for some people who don't like this kind of thing. But it's Cook, Serve, Delicious. It was currently on sale for $10 on Steam. And uh, it's basically you run a restaurant. You're starting off as like a very a, a ramshackle restaurant in this office building. 
And as you you start serving customers at 9 a.m. and it's, it's kind of gets more and more hectic. And basically you're prepping different foods that you have available. You start off with like burgers and hot dogs and that kind of thing, which are kind of easy. And for instance, you're, you suddenly see pop up, you need to prepare a hot dog for a customer who walks up. So you push number one on your keyboard to bring up the order number one. And then your prep station pops up on the screen and it says they want ketchup and mustard on their hot dog. So you push K and M on your, on your keyboard and push enter and it serves a hot dog. So as you play the game, after that day is over, you take the money you've made and you can either buy new equipment for your restaurant or buy new foods to serve or upgrade the food that you have. So then it gets more complicated as you're going along. Like if you want to serve a lobster, you push the order number, you push L to put the lobster in the, in the a water, to let it boil, and then you let it go for a while and you can do other orders while it's boiling. But if you let it boil too long, it'll be a bad service and then you'll lose that money. So then once you click on the lobster again, once it's ready, you then serve it with butter or with garlic, whatever the customer wants. And there's ways of cooking chicken breasts and steaks. But then the cool thing is you get to do these like competitions in between your turns too, like an Iron Chef competition. Um, you do catering jobs on the side. You basically are upgrading your restaurant. It's just it's like a restaurant simulator, basically. But it's a lot of fun. Really Holy relaxing shit. music. It's, it's great. That sounds incredibly involved. <laughs> it kind of is, but it's also just kind of relaxing. But then it really gets you going once you get like 10 orders at the same time. And you're like, oh, God, I got to prepare some wine for this person. This person, I have to, you have to clean the dishes in between and throw out the trash and like, oh, my God. And it's just cute animation style. It's just it's a lot of fun, but not for everybody. <laughs> and then we have uh, the Rings of Power, which I'm recommending. Um, Steve, what do you think so far about the Rings of Power without any spoilers? No spoilers. Um, I'm really enjoying it. I'm enjoying the new characters, the parts of the world they're exploring. Um, there are a few decisions they've made that I don't quite understand how they're going to pan out yet. Mm -hmm. And so it's kind of like fun part of the mystery, but also me being a wor worried fanboy. But, you know, it's still good. It's better than the Hobbit trilogy already. I didn't even finish the Hobbit trilogy, and I'm a huge Tolkien fan. And so it's so bad. It was just bloated, overly done. And like, I just wasn't interested anymore. I don't know why, but. Yeah, this feels more grounded in, you know, not so ostentatious as the Hobbit trilogy was. Um, but I'm liking the actors and I'm liking the the mystery. Like you said, there's some mysteries in there because the cool thing was a lot of this is in the second age of Middle Earth, whereas the third age is where Lord of the Rings took place in thousands of years later. And the first age is very well described in the Silmarillion, the book. The second age isn't so much like it's a little bit described in the Silmarillion, but and then also with footnotes in the Lord of the Rings. But the second age, they have a lot more room to play because there's not a lot of things that were directly described. So like like we said, where's Tom Bomba during his time? Nobody knows. Um, sometimes there was wizards that were came down during the second age. We don't know when or who did, you know, um, so they kind of room to mess around. But still, fans are just getting their panties in a bunch over every little tiny thing that's different or confusing. And it's just like. I, I think we should take a minute to to talk about the dumbest thing that fans are getting their panties in a bunch about. And Race. that is, <laughs> and this is being felt in, in the new Game of Thrones as well, which is, yeah, which is diversity. Yeah. And I think to them, I say, like, once again, the same, like, you can believe in dragons and little Harfoot people and, <laughs> and wargs, but you have a problem, like, seeing an Asian person in Middle Earth. I know. And, and the worst fucking kidding me. 
the worst, uh, the same exact argument they're using for the Little Mermaid now. People are upset that the Little Mermaid. They're like, well, it's a Danish folktale, so Danes were white, so the Little Mermaid should be white. It's like, but mermaids aren't necessarily white. <laughs> She's like, Danish people are, but not not mermaids. And See, then it's I, like, they're saying Tolkien dis- was writing these stories about the tales of, um, you know, old races of Norse mythology, that kind of things. But that doesn't mean that elves and hobbits are Norse. It just means he wrote about those things. See, I, I've got sort of issues with it creatively, but not because of the race. A, you have you seen the trailer? What trailer? Uh, For Little Mermaid. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I don't like how Disney presented it. Like they kept the fact that she was of color until like the last shot. Kind of purposefully, that felt, that yeah. That felt really disingenuous and really crappy. If you're proud of the choice you make, lead with it. They literally hit it. It's like they were trying felt, to reveal it at the very end. It's kind of a ha ha, look at this kind of thing. But it didn't feel, I, to me, it did not come off that way. Well, I will um, say I kind of like it doing that because I, I watch a TikTok video of a compilation of all these little black girls who are watching the trailer for the first time. And they're like, oh, it's Ariel that's going to making a movie. And then at the very end, she slowly comes out of the shadows and shows that she's a, a black girl. And these girls are like, some of them are crying. Some are like, she looks like me. It's like Ariel's brown. And like, it was just like, it's kind of this big reveal. I think that Disney was going for whether that's cheap or not. I don't know. But, and I think and then creatively I have issues with this because like, it's great that you want representation. And I feel like by presenting something that, that, already has roots um you're gonna mire it like already this film is mired in controversy when they could have taken all that creative effort and put it into creating an original character of color which they have done. strong we're right but that's what i'm saying is like it just felt like why i think almost to why not take those same resources and put it into a new character i think almost to make that point to make it be like look this is now this is going to give representation to so many girls who already love Ariel and be like, look, it can be you too, you know, and just kind of like, and also the kind of forcing that shock value onto people who wouldn't be comfortable with it and being like, Hey, you got to deal with this. <laughs> that kind of thing. I don't That's know. True. There's reason there. I can see a little bit of both sides, but um, they have made original stuff with uh, women of color and stuff like that. Like Moana, oh, yeah. and, you know, Moana Tiana, and, um, Tiana, but yeah, I'm just saying it just feels like why, like, why not? You want to show representation? Don't like put something in something's already been done. Create something new. Well, here's the broader point. I don't know. Stop making live action remakes of all your animated films. Well, yes. <laughs> Make real animated films. That's okay. I think yeah, that's, that's something the better point. That both racists <laughs> and fanboys can agree on. Stop making crappy live Stop action. Stop making crappy live action sequels. Oh, I don't God. care who you put in them. <laughs> Stop it. <laughs> Especially the ones like are all animals. Because they have to all be CGI anyway. So it's, Wait, just, it's, it's still an animated film. It's so stupid. <laughs> it's a live action, fully animated film. Yeah, great. Cool. We needed that so much. <laughs> Lady and the Tramp are now animated CGI monstrosities. Cool. Um, um, that being said, so about the trailer <laughs> itself. Yeah. From a movie perspective, you know, Joyce will probably want to go see this. So therefore, I have some interest in it. Uh, because it'll have nostalgia factor for me. I really, in the trailer, loved the visual of the movement through the water. Yeah, it looks great. And also, I'm I thought that was very well carried off. Excited about Melissa McCarthy being Ursula, which would be pretty good, probably. Um, that'll be fun. And yeah, it'll, it'll be interesting. But it brings a power. Uh, yeah, I think it's a great show so far. It's got a 
some interesting characters, some interesting mysteries, and uh, like to see where it goes. Oh yeah, recommend the, it. some some of the mystery. In fact, one of the mysteries is I won't say specifically what is one of the things I'm most worried about. And like, what are they doing? Yeah, where are they going to go with that? What, what are they What are they doing? <laughs> I could see ways to making it work, but they better we can be talk careful. more about it after this. But um, I well, just want Tom doing? Bombadil, guys. That's all I want. <laughs> That's all I want. I don't care what happens the rest of the show. Just give me Tom Bombadil. I don't care what color he is. Just give me Tom Bombadil. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And do not animate him. He could be a black Jewish guy a in a wheelchair. Real, I don't care. Just give me a Tom real, not animated Tom Bombadil <laughs> of any persuasion. Yes. I would take like a sex recasting as well. <laughs> yeah. yeah, just to switch Mina the genders. Uh, his wife, Goldberry, could be a guy. And then oh, yeah. Tom Bombadil could be a girl. That's fine. I don't care. Dude, that's legit. I'd watch that. <laughs> uh. <laughs> well, now it's time for some other trailer reviews. All right. This week, uh, we've got the Secret Invasion trailer that came out at D23, the big Disney Expo. A lot of stuff came out, but this is the one that I was kind of most excited about. From Marvel. Uh, and we get a check-in with Nick Fury, which we've had very few of. Yeah, that's true. He's been in space, but he's back. And Maria Hill's pissed that he's been gone. But why is he back? Well, there's a secret invasion going on. Uh, you get, I can't remember her name, the the British actress who was in The Queen. Oh, yeah, you're right. And you're talking about, she's in a lot of stuff. She's great. Um, uh, Olivia something, maybe? Yeah, Olivia something. Something. <laughs> uh, she plays clearly the head of some sort of secret organization that has been tasked with flushing out this invasion of Skrull. Of Skrull. Yeah. Um. And so I think we're going to get reveals that characters and people we've known are scroll. There's a theory going around that Nick Fury died sometime in like the 80s or early 90s. And a scroll has taken his place ever since. That'd be interesting. I didn't think about that. Um. So I'm just, uh, you know, I think it's an interesting storyline. It certainly feels like it has a darker tone. Oh, yeah. Than a lot and- of the other stuff we've seen. You know how everyone always played up the Winter Soldier as being this great spy thriller? I never really felt it was. It was never one of my favorites, and people just, you know, cream over it all the time. <laughs> Whereas I think this one has the right tone in the trailer, and since there's not really mm-hmm. any superheroes at the lead of it, it feels more like an authentic spy thriller, and it felt cooler to me in that regard. I don't know if you felt that same way. Um, yeah. Anything with uh, with Nick Fury, I'm in, and I did enjoy Winter Soldier. But if this is like Winter Soldier Plus, that's going to be great for me. Oh, yeah. Winter Soldier Plus, I'm all for it. I liked Winter Soldier. I just didn't think it was like, I, I thought it was still more of a superhero movie, not a spy thriller. You know, it was, yeah. it was a little bit of a spy that, thriller. the reason that it was really taken in and is really, we'll say, creamed over, as you say, <laughs> uh, uh, is because I feel like at the time it was the the most motion, emotional depth mm-hmm. that the MCU had had. And it showed that they could go to those places which we then see further in later films like wakanda forever uh sorry uh black panther and um you know infinity war and the infinity saga that's true so i think i don't know that's how i always saw it i was like oh their relationship is special wait a minute i care (laughs) yeah i actually care about their relationship with a superhero holy shit a marvel film made me do that and what's cool is actually I didn't realize this. Well, first that's a series, not a not a movie. I was thinking it was a movie. Oh, I didn't know it was okay. Cool. Yeah, it's a six I'm episode in. series apparently. Um, but it's created by and written by 
Kyle Bradstreet. And he mm-hmm. apparently was really the head, one of the head producers on Mr. Robot, which I really liked. Um, okay. Definitely a darker feel to that and mysteries and, you know, what's really what's really going on kind of thing. So that's interesting. Yeah. So I'm down. You guys should watch the trailer. It's a it's definitely different. It, it's a good one. Uh, I'm going to give this one uh, a Gary Busey in a bathroom putting on green makeup. And he's like, I'm a scroll. They're never going to know it's me. And Raul Julia walks in and goes, oh, damn it. I was going to use that to paint the garage tomorrow. <laughs> I love how, like they're the odd couple of roommates now. <laughs> yeah. They're going to be, there's going to be plenty left. <laughs> so I have a, uh, I give this one a Raul Julia walking into the living room and Gary Busey's like, I've been lying the whole time. And he takes off his face and he's really a scroll. And then uh, Raul Julia, he says, well, I've been lying to you as well. And he takes off his mask and he's really Gary Busey. <laughs> yeah, it's Gary Busey. I've been here all along. <laughs> oh, they have a secret invasion right in the living room. So that's great. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my God. So I think that brings us to the end of uh, this episode 155. That's right. So what are we up to next time there, Steve? Join us next time in episode 156. We're going to be getting into the mood of the spooky holiday Halloween season, reviewing the best of the Halloween films. (laughs) Halloween three season of the witch. Spoilers. No Mike Myers. That's right. You can watch (laughs) it all on its own. Uh, But until next time, keep on coming back to be our nerdy audience. We'll keep on coming back to be your nerdy co-hosts. Thanks again, Internet. Stay nerdy, my friends. Thanks for listening to A Play on Nerds. Feel free to email feedback at aplayonnerds.com with all your questions or comments. Shoot us a message on Facebook or Twitter and earn yourself a sweet shout out on the show. Review us on YouTube, Spotify, or Apple Podcasts so even more nerds can find us. Tell your friends, tell your enemies, we aren't picky. Check out our entire back catalog and other offerings at aplayonnerds.com. And how?